Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you guys here. This is the Word of God. We're in Acts chapter 5 this morning, verses 17 through 32. So I'm going to read that text of Scripture. Read along with me. This is the Word of the Lord. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. And then when the high priest came and there were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed. That's the understatement of the century. And they were wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men who you put in prison, they're standing in the temple teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you are filling Jerusalem with this teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the singing of your church. Awesome to sing together every week. I love it. Thankful for our graduates, both services. So blessed by our graduating seniors. Bless them in their future plans. God, would you confirm the path that you have for each one? Lord, beginning with moving in the hearts of our graduates to live for the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that every graduate would be a believer and would live their lives for the glory of God. So Lord, we pray, and as we pray and lift up your name, Jesus, we, we want to lift up one of your dear servants, Tim Keller, one of the greatest voices of our generation for evangelicalism, God, who passed away this week. And Lord, we pray that you would comfort his family, comfort your church, Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City, 
and the millions and millions of people who have come to Christ and been influenced by your dear servant, Tim. We pray that the, the gospel would be so comforting this week to their family. And Lord, as we lose these lions of Christianity in our generation, such as Tim Keller, R.C. Sproul, others, God, we ask, we beg that you would rise up a new generation to proclaim the name of Jesus with boldness and power. God, our country sure needs it. Our world sure needs it. So God, we need Christians who are unashamed of the name above all names. Jesus, would you raise up a new generation? And would you make every generation, baby boomers and Gen Xers and Gen Zers and millennials, would you make Christians in every generation faithful to the gospel? In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning again and welcome to Living Waters. My name is Josh, preaching pastor here at church. And uh, welcome to the sneakiest busy time of the year. Can I get an amen? This is just ridiculous. May is just, it sneaks up on you, acting like your friend, promising warm weather and great times, and then it just punches you right in the face, right? Slams you to the ground, and that is the month of May. So welcome to Graduation Sunday for many, this is graduation season for many. Uh, school's finishing up. Summer's right around the corner. There's a lot of things going on. Thankful that you could be here to join us to worship Jesus. This is a great investment of your time and schedule, and I praise God that each one of you are here. The sermon series that we are going through is The Thriving Church. In the book of Acts, The Thriving Church, and we are in Acts chapter 5, I just read the passage a little earlier. My sermon title this morning is The Name Above All Names. The Name Above All Names being Jesus. And I will be talking about this theme both this Sunday and next Sunday. After Ananias and Sapphira and that whole scene last week, and I mean that in more ways than one, the church moved forward with great power and with great influence. The church grew and a lot of things were happening. Tons of people were coming to Jesus. And there was also great opportunity to expand the gospel all throughout Jerusalem and throughout the nation of Israel. But there were also obstacles and there was opposition as well. So there was both blessing and challenge. And as I was looking at the passage this week and studying, I determined that there were at least seven sermons in this passage. And all God's people said, I'm nervous, pastor. You're going to get all seven this morning. I'm just kidding. You're just going to get one. But I identified at least seven sermons. Now, here's just, I want to run through those ideas and then get right into the one that we're going to study together. Sermon number one could be about the sin of jealousy and the destructive results of jealousy in your life as the Sadducees were very jealous of the apostles and what was going on in verse 17. The second sermon could be all about the angel of the Lord and the unseen realm. We would super enjoy that journey, seeing the angel of the Lord show up, and here is this angel opening up prison doors. 
by the miracle working power of God and sending them off with a commission to preach, that would be an amazing sermon. Sermon number three could be all about the angel's command. Speak all of these words of life, right? The gospel is life, amen? The gospel is life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. Jesus is the author of life, according to Acts chapter 3, and repentance in his name leads to life. Eternal life is a huge and maybe the most important theme of the New Testament. That'd be a good sermon. Sermon number four could be about the angel's instructions to the apostles about evangelism. Go and stand and speak. You could preach a whole sermon on that, just going, standing, and speaking the gospel And I think that would be a wonderful message. Sermon number five could be all about the opponents of Jesus. These rascals, these Sadducees, these chief priests and religious religious leaders. You could preach a whole sermon on them about how they rose up, locked up, brought up, flamed up, listened up, and beat up. See, I got the outline all ready to go. The opponents of Jesus rose up and they locked up the apostles in jail. They brought the guys up in a trial They addressed them. They flamed up in anger when they heard the response of Peter. They listened up to Gamaliel, who stepped in. We'll see him next week. And they beat up the apostles. And uh, that could be the application as well. Go and get yourself beat up for Jesus. Amen? Close in prayer. Right. Sermon number six could be about how the apostles and how they preach the gospel daily and boldly to big crowds and to small individual gatherings. Those would all be great sermons, but I'm going with sermon number seven, which is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus in this passage is so clear, and it's in verse 28. The Sadducees addressed the apostles, and they said, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. That's the heart of the message. Don't teach anymore in this name, this name. Who is this name? His name is Jesus. And the name of Jesus is the common thread of Acts chapter 2 through Acts chapter 5. The name of Christ is the theme of the apostles' song. And I'll address that more at the end of the message. But you could argue that the name of God, from God to man, is the theme of redemption throughout not only the New Testament, but also the Old. Do you remember Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses? Do you remember when God showed up to these individuals and he made his name known? Do you remember Moses said, well, I'll go to Egypt, but I mean, who should I say sent me? And God said, you tell him, I am sent you. The name of God, right? And Jesus said in John 8, before Abraham was, I am. The name of Jesus, the name of God, could be the theme of redemptive history. Jesus is the name above all names. Have you ever read Philippians 2, 8 through 11 before? I'm sure you have. If I start reading it, you'll know what I'm saying right away. 
Being found in human form, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the name above all names. Now, what's in a name anyway? What's in, what's in your name? What's in your wallet, right? The commercial. What's in your name? A lot, a lot. Think about your first name. Do you know the meaning of your first name? Some of you do, some of you don't. A good, a good assignment, if you don't know the meaning of your first name, is to look it up and, and find out what your first name means. I remember when I first realized what uh, my name meant, Josh or Joshua. Like, like, do you want to make a, a little kid feel really proud and arrogant right away? Name them Joshua, then explain it to them and be like, well, Josh, your name means Jehovah saves. My name means God saves? Yeah, that's what your name means. Oh, well, all right. You walk around with a little more confidence, right? Like, I remember telling my brothers, my name means Jehovah saves. What does your name mean, right? And my younger brother's name was Jordan. I'm like, you were named after a dirty river. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> oh, God was very gracious and merciful. What does your last name mean? Think about your last name. What does your last name mean? Some of you are like, I have no idea what it means. I don't know what my name, last name means either, but I know my grandpa valued it a lot. And my grandpa's life verse was Proverbs 22.1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And I remember as a sophomore in high school, I received a letter from my grandpa. And he was my, he was my earthly hero. So anytime I got some written uh, communication from him was a big deal. So he wrote me a letter on March 16th, 1997. And I have a picture of this letter. He wrote it on his state of representative's letterhead. So like anytime a 16-year-old gets a letter from his hero and it's on the letterhead, said, you know, representative, state of representatives, you pay attention. And this letter still has great value to me. It's in a very special place in my possession. I reread it at least once or twice a year. But he said this in the letter. He said, we Daggets don't quit we don't quit without very serious considerations of all that is involved. And I, that sentence is emblazoned in my soul for all eternity. Because grandpa wrote it. And he said, Daggett's don't quit. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's like the family mantra, right? All right. Listen, your first name and your last name matter. To God. More than your grandparents, more than your relatives, your first name and last name matter to God because He created you. You are precious in His sight, as the little kid's jingle goes. You matter to God. Your first name matters to God, your last name matters to God, and everything you do in life matters to God. But it only matters to God in that you point your people of influence to the, not your own name, the greater name, Jesus 
Christ. And I would tell the graduates here, and I would tell everybody else who's older than a graduate, I would say this, don't give in to your sinful pride, which says it's all about my name. It's all about my first name, all about my last name, all about me, 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 me. You want to waste your life? You'll spend your life exalting your own name. You want to make your life count? Point it to the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name. You want to make a huge impact in this world, graduate? Lift up the name of Jesus with your life. Don't worry about your own name. Make the name of Jesus great. John Piper, in his famous sermon, Don't Waste Your Life, at the one-day conference, it's okay. I hear that, amen. He said this, To make a difference in this world, you don't need a big IQ or EQ. Praise the Lord. You simply need to know one thing and be gripped by it and be willing to lay your life down for it. For every Christian in this sanctuary right now, I would say, The same thing that John Piper said. You don't need a big EQ or a big IQ to make a difference in the world. You need to know one thing. And I would say one name. You need to know one name. And make that name your life's sacrifice. And may it ever be the name of Jesus. The name that is greater than any other name. So... That's my big idea this morning in the passage. The name of Jesus is the name above all names. And it's the name above all names for all people at all time, everywhere. The name of Jesus is the name above all names for all people, for all time, everywhere. So we're going to see in the passage a couple things. One, we're going to see what the name of Jesus does. What does the name of Jesus do? When I start proclaiming the name of Jesus and living for the name of Jesus and exalting the name of Jesus, what happens in my life? Two, what is the name of Jesus? What is it exactly? I need to know what it is. So we're going to see what it does and what it is. Number one, the name of Jesus, we're going to see what it does first. The name of Jesus makes things happen. The name of Jesus makes things happen. Verses 17 through 26 in our passage, The high priest rose up and all who were with them, and they were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles. So they see Peter and James and John and the gospel spreading, and they are filled with jealousy, and they rise up. They stand up to go find these men and arrest them. Then when they get arrested, the angel of the Lord comes and opens the door. What a scene that is, the angel of God coming to open up prison doors and let you out so you can go preach the gospel some more incredible miracles. You can say that if you start naming the name of Jesus, things are going to happen in your life, amen? (laughs) If you're bored in the Christian life, it's probably because you're not saying the name of Jesus very often. If you are like, oh, this is so boring, I don't, I'm not, I, I wanted a little bit more activity in my life. Start standing for the name of Jesus more and you will begin to see some activity. What kind of activity? Well, not super fun activity, 
People are going to be jealous. They're going to be stirred up. If you stand for Christ, you can guarantee it that someone is looking at you in your life saying, I'm kind of jealous of them. They're kind of a punk. I read their social media and I don't like it. They post about Jesus. They talk about Jesus. They love other people. There's something about that that just doesn't sit well with unbelievers. Things are going to start happening. What else is going to happen? Well, you're going to have angels rescue you out of prison. That's also really cool. You, you name the name of Jesus. You might not go to prison and you might not have the angel of the Lord miraculously deliver you like that. But you can guarantee that if you name the name of Christ, God will be with you. Amen? He will deliver you. He will deliver you in miraculous kind of ways. That stuff happens. And then you're going to be able to go and teach the word of God at places that you weren't expecting, at times that you weren't expecting. I mean, they're preaching and teaching at daybreak. That's a little early. Can I get an amen? It's a little early to be teaching. They didn't program that, but that just happened. What else happened? Well, the officers come. They don't find them in prison. They, they, they report this to the powers that be, and the religious leaders are upset, perplexed. They don't know what's going on. So then they bring them back in. They bring the boys back in without arresting them because they don't want to get stoned because the people are with the gospel. And this is activity. The name of Jesus, whenever it's going out, things happen. Really awesome things and really hard things. And I would say, I'll tell you this this morning. In your life, if you get serious about the name above all names, and you start living it out Monday through Saturday, things are going to happen in your life. And you're going to take some shots for it. And God is going to be good. And he's going to do miracles. He's going to save people. Not through your power, but through the power of your witness. Now, what kind of opposition are you, is going to happen if you name the name of Christ? Well, you're going to get the religious right and the liberal left all over you, hating you. What do you mean religious right and liberal left? Well, that was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? The right and the left, the conservative and the liberal, man, they, neither of them like Jesus. And neither of them like the apostles either. And here's the thing. People want the gospel to be left or right. And, and I think the answer from the gospel is, no, we want to take over. Amen? We don't want to be left or right. We want to take over culture with Jesus Christ and his message. And I just want to encourage you, you're going to take some shots. And I always think in my own life, if I've got liberal people angry at me and I got conservative people angry at me, I'm probably right where Jesus wants me to be. Praise the Lord. What about unfair treatment? Is it going to happen? Yes. People are going to treat you unfairly. For Jesus' sake, praise the Lord. Um, at the very least, you're going to see some miraculous deliverances happen. You're going to see God drawing people into Christ. Just this week, I had the opportunity to share Jesus a couple times with some young guys. And sitting across the table from one of the young guys, we're sharing the gospel with him and he is saying, Josh, you have no idea. This is exactly what I have been searching for. Praise the Lord, right? That's the power of God. But it wouldn't have happened had I not said earlier in the week, hey, just checking in, how are you? 
we need to talk about spiritual things, talk about God. And he's like, I can't believe you're, you're asking me about this right now. I need it right now. Let's get together. We get together, share the gospel. You guys, the power of God showed up. It's not me. It's not you. It's Jesus. And when Jesus gets to people who know that they need something, that is a wonderful thing. Miracles happen. Divine intervention happens. Open your mouth. Share Jesus. The name of Jesus makes things happen. No boring church exists where the name of Christ is being proclaimed. Hallelujah. The second thing about the name above all names is that the name of Jesus is a problem. Verse 27 and 28. It's a problem. They brought him in, set him before the council, and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you to not teach in the name. Not teach in this name. Yet here you are, you filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. The name of Jesus is a problem for unbelievers. The name of Jesus is a problem for those who are not saved. We told you not to teach in this name. We were even strict about it. It's like a parent talking to a child, right? I told you, don't touch that. Can I get a parent amen? Don't touch that. Don't say that. Don't do that. I told you not to do that. I'm getting phone amens like crazy. This sermon is going good. That's another phone amen. I got one over here. I got one over here. I'm waiting for the middle sections next. You guys get on it. Let's go. But you can almost feel like a parent and a child here, right? Don't touch that. Don't do that. Don't say that. We gave you firm commands from on high. Don't speak in this name anymore. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. By what power, by what name did you do this? Chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Let us warn them and to speak no more in this name. The leaders of Israel were allergic to the name of Jesus. They couldn't even say Jesus. They're yeah. Just say, man, just say the name. This, this name. Don't speak anymore in this name. Don't do it. You're going to bring this man's blood upon us. J-E-S-U-S. That's his name. Y'all can say it. But the religious leaders are like, we just can't even begin it. Really Harry Potter vibe going on here, right? Like when all the townspeople are scared of Voldemort. He who must not be named. Like I was just the first time I watched Harry Potter, like the Daily Prophet. I think you can put that up there. Yeah, yeah there it is. There's your, there's your headline. He who must not be named has returned. And if you're like watching Harry Potter, you're like, just say his name. It's Voldemort. Like Harry Potter's like, oh, Voldemort? And everybody's like, shh, shh, he who must not be named. And they do a great job with the storytelling on that. It's super good. But that's how the Pharisees are. That's how the Sadducees are. He who must not be named. We don't talk about that man. We don't like that man. He's bad. And I just want to tell you, like, Jesus is a problem for unbelievers. The name Jesus is a problem for non-Christians. Not for Christians. We love his name. Amen? We celebrate his name. We share his name. We exalt his name. We say Jesus all the time. But if you're a non-Christian, you're scared and frustrated by this Jesus thing. 
this Jesus revolution, this Jesus movement. We don't want that name anymore because what happens with that name? He comes to take over. Jesus comes to take over. He comes to save and redeem and forgive and take over people's lives. And people don't like that because we've worked for a long time to establish this. We've worked our whole lives for this. And now you're telling me I got to leave all of this to go to this guy, Jesus? And you're a bunch of fishermen and you're uneducated and you, you, don't, you don't run in the elites. You didn't get your master's degree. You didn't get your doctorate. You don't have your doctorate, guys. You can't share. I'm not following you. You're following us. You see? It's a problem. The name of Jesus is a problem. And the name of Jesus is a problem to be solved, a problem to be pushed away, a problem to be eliminated by non-Christians. And just in case you thought if that was just all the way back there in La La Land, early church time 2,000 years ago, I got news for you. It is still happening today all over our culture. Jesus is a problem. He needs to be eliminated, quieted, pushed aside. And the hotness word of our culture today is canceled can't cancel Jesus. In fact, if secular unbelieving world, left or right, I don't really care, says that you can't proclaim Jesus anymore, that's a sign that believers should speak it all the more. Amen? The more you tell me to not say his name, I'm going to say his name. Especially when you got a contrarian pastor at Living Waters. That's all I did growing up was do the wrong thing. Now I'm doing the right thing for Jesus. Amen? So you tell me not to speak Jesus anymore, I'm going to speak him more then. That's the attitude of Christians. We have to bring the good news to the nations. Jesus is a problem to unbelievers. And we do so with humble confidence. Here's my semi-annual reminder as a pastor to not be a jerk. When you share Jesus, don't be obstinate. Don't be jerky. Be Jesus. Be winsome. Be warm. Be truthful. Be full of grace and truth. Have both. And by God's grace, we we share with humble confidence. And Simeon said it best in Luke chapter 2, verse 34, before Jesus was, was with us and as Jesus was born, Simeon said, this child will cause the rise and the fall of many still the same. There's no neutral ground with Jesus. And unbelievers view Jesus as a problem. Believers view Jesus as salvation. And the name of Jesus is the name above all names. Let him be a problem for unbelievers. Let him be a problem. It's good. If you know him, stand with him. Speak his name. Finally, the name of Jesus is the gospel and the power of God. Jesus, the name of Christ, is the power of the gospel and the power of God. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Praise the Lord. The God of our fathers raised Jesus. There's the word, Jesus. There's his name. You killed him by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. To give repentance and forgiveness of sins. We're witnesses to that reality. 
The name of Jesus is the gospel and the power of God. The apostles start by pledging their allegiance to God rather than men. Amen? That's good. We, we must obey God. Human counsel, human organization, we must obey God rather than men. And as they do that, they name his name. The apostles are not ashamed of the name of Jesus. Don't teach in this name anymore. Okay. Jesus. He is re- referred to in name, and then he is, he is explained. You killed him, by the way. If you're trying to make friends and influence people, probably not the phrase to use, right? If you're reading Dale Carnegie's book, How to Make Friends and Influence People, this probably doesn't make the book. Because he's saying, oh yeah, Jesus, you killed him. You killed him. You did it. Ooh, bam. And he's the leader. God exalted him as leader and savior. Five immediate strong references to the name of Jesus. We are getting a strong response from the apostle Peter and a good example for how we are to name the name of Jesus. Do it directly. Share Jesus directly. Again, don't be a jerk about it, but be strong. Be committed. How do I get you to remember this? The office. That's how I get you to remember this. Pam and Michael going back and forth. Stop naming the name of Jesus, says Pam. And you can just see Michael Scott. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to say the name of Jesus even harder. Praise the Lord. You never thought the office would drive it home. But I'm driving it home with the office and I don't care. I do not care. I want you to remember it. We are to respond with strong conviction. When they say deny the name, we must say no, we will share the name even harder. We will go for it and we will say exactly who he is, the leader and the savior and the exalted son of God who died a sacrificial death, rose again and is going to bring repentance and forgiveness for the nations. He says the nation of Israel and that is true. He's also opening it up to the reality that every tribe, every tongue, and every nation needs to hear, believe, and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. How are they going to hear without a preacher, church? How are they going to hear without a witness? How are they going to hear without you saying his name? You've got to say his name. Don't be ashamed of the name above all names. Amen? Say it. Say it however you have to say it. You don't have to preach it like me. You don't have to be really bold like XYZ person, but you do got to find your way to say the name of Christ and say it over and over again to as many people as will listen to you and pray for opportunity. So in a flurry, to close this message, I just want you to see how much the apostles relied on the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 21, at the very end of this sermon It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent each one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Peter said in in Acts 3.6, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, stand up and walk. In Acts 3.16, 
Peter said, on the basis of faith in Jesus' name, his very name has made this man walk. In Acts chapter 4, verse 10, let it be known to you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, God raised from the dead, this man stands before you healthy. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, probably the most famous one. There is salvation in no one else, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name than Jesus. Amen? You are not getting to heaven by any other name. You are not forgiven by any other name. Muhammad cannot forgive your sins. Any spiritual religion that doesn't involve Jesus cannot forgive you of your sins. Only Jesus saves sinners. And while you extend your hand, Acts 4.30, to heal and to bring about miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. We carry his name. As we close, where does Jesus rank in your vocabulary? Hopefully not as a curse word, amen? Hopefully not. But I would guess your top 10 phrases or sentences, Jesus is somewhere in there. I, would, I just want you to move them up a notch. Move them up to number one. Jesus Christ, his name is meant to be proclaimed by his followers, his sons, his daughters. And so as you go, we rely on the name of Christ. A church that is worthwhile to attend is a church that names the name of Jesus. Unapologetically, every week we talk about Jesus Christ. That's a church worth attending. That's a church worth belonging to. Christianity brings the name above all names. So as we close, my question is, do you know this name? Do you know the name of Jesus in your heart, in your mind, in your soul? Do you know him? And if you do, proclaim him. Tell other people about him. He's worthy for you to open your mouth for a little bit of discomfort. He paid it all. Amen? All to him we owe. And are you willing to go all in with the name above all names? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that the apostles went all in with Jesus, the name above all names. Thank you for the miracles that you did. Thank you for the salvations that you brought about in the book of Acts. God, do it again. Do it in our day. Do it in our generation. Thank you for how you're doing it, even now. Lord, help us take the next step to exalt Jesus in our minds and in our hearts, as the name above all names. Lord, when we say your name, things happen. You are a problem for unbelievers, and yet you are the very power of God to save. So Lord, for, for many of us, we're Christians, we name the name of Jesus, and Lord, I pray for boldness and opportunities to joyfully and, and wondrously witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, may we share Jesus even today, even this afternoon, even this week. May we not be ashamed to say his name. And Lord, there's probably a few here in this crowd that still don't know the name yet. Don't know Jesus personally yet. 
Lord, may you convict them of their sin, that they've been trusting in themselves or other names, and there's no salvation in those. Lord, please draw in those who do not yet know you as Savior. Draw them in to believe for the first time personally in the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Lord, guide us as we respond to you. Holy Spirit, be at work inside of us. Help us to sing and respond for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.